I'm Ray Ritchie, and I'm a tech analyst. I'm Georgia Dow, and I'm a psychotherapist. And welcome to Apple Talk, where psychology meets technology. And we deal with the daily underpinnings of all these companies. Yeah, like Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft. What else you got for me? Intel. Intel. <laughs> we did. We talked about Intel. Yeah, I'm what sure. it counts? Yeah, it'll count. Yeah, I'm it'll sure. Count. All of them. All the big tech companies and how they increasingly affect our culture and our lives. And today, Georgia, I have. Ugh, these feelings about Apple. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Are, these, are they good feelings? No. They're ah. super annoyed. Hmm. Uh, super easy, barely an inconvenience. No, they're super annoying, <laughs> really, really an inconvenience. One, one really interesting aspect of Apple, at least for me, is that they are so progressive in many ways, like environmentally in terms of social justice initiatives, civil liberties and civil rights. But at the same time, they're incredibly regressive when it comes to sex. Um, almost puritanical when it comes to sex. Famously, in the early days of the App Store, Steve Jobs said, "We'll never like porn will never be on the App Store." Which, yeah, totally fair enough. But then, they've always had this this guideline for adult content that's hit hit concussively against the open web. Like they used to make browsers. Uh, say they were 18 and over because you might find pictures of naked people on browsers. And then there was a whole brouhaha with Tumblr and how Tumblr had to censor adult content in their iOS app. And now it's come up again because it looks like they're doing the same thing with Discord, saying that Discord has to hide or age gate or somehow control access to adult communities in Discord. And once again, LGBTQ plus communities are saying they're the ones, or marginalized communities in general are saying they're the ones who are always overly affected by these things. And it's also just being sex positive about being able to learn about having access to information. It ends up being that it isn't just, um, you know, porn type of explicit images that get cut out. It's also about reproductive health. It's about having access to information. It's about learning about your body. It's about having access to being able to ask very intimate questions because there might be something that's happening to you and you want to be able to learn about, you know, why your body is doing what your body is doing. And that becomes a huge issue. Plus, it's just this policing of what we can think that really bothers me. It's this Judeo-Christian values that sex equals bad. Yeah. And it isn't. But when we go over that we have to protect our children from sexual knowledge, period, that then kids end up with this feeling that that must mean that sexuality, which is part of us being human, is a negative thing. Yeah. And we should preface this by saying that you and I both live in Montreal, which is one of the most socially progressive provinces in some ways. Like the drinking age is 18. Um, there's very little restrictions on on the adult industry here, uh, but also like you know French television is pretty much like European television, which is yes, very, very different than very American television. Very sexually open. Yes. Um, nudity is not really frowned upon. Yes. Um, there's violence like, is, but sexuality is not. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, which is the opposite almost, because in the U.S. the attitude towards violence is much more laissez-faire, where the attitude towards nudity is, uh, is, is, in at least my experience, much more puritanical. Which, again, the, the other piece that, that bothers me is that you have to, for Discord, it's not like you just have access to everything. You have to search for it. You have to or like, get invited, get invited mm -hmm. or 
go in to find a server to be a part of it, which you would probably have to go to the web, which then you could find any, like in comparison to the web, where it's pretty much like sometimes you will search for bunny rabbits and you end up with a picture that might be inappropriate. Yes, because the um, web. Because <laughs> it's the web. But you would have to have gone to probably the web to be able to find a server that would then you'd put into Discord. So you've already gone through a whole bunch of hoops or to be able to get there. Anything, yeah. So I don't even understand what the what they will actually be gaining from having to police like from them having to police Discord. And there's like there, there's this range of issues that I have here. And YouTube uh, just recently, it might have been this week, changed some of their policies because previously with there was different levels of acceptable or community guidelines. And for example, if you were completely advertiser safe, you'd, be, you'd get a green token for your monetization. If there were issues with it, you'd get a yellow token, which is maybe restricted. So like only adults could, could or it had to be logged in and be an adult to see the video. And then if it was beyond their community guidelines, you'd be demonetized and, and it wouldn't. And that could be a range of things That's like- Scary, and it's scary. The word demonetized <laughs> is a very scary word. Well, it's, it's also, it was a blunt instrument. And what, that's what they're trying to fix. Like a, a video that's COVID denial is not the same as a video that's COVID educational. A video that's sex educational is different than a porn video. Yes. Like there's all these things that they were, or also like if you used a, like a, a what would I call it? A low, a low offense curse word, like a B word or an S word in the first 30 seconds, you got in trouble before and now you don't. It's like there's like almost ridiculous lines being painted for these things. And I understand they're dealing with advertisers and they don't want to lose advertisers and all this. Um, but they seem to be pushing the boundaries and talking to their community and engaging with the people who use the platform and trying to open up the guidelines where it makes sense, where it feels like we're, I don't know how many years we are now, like 13, 14 years into the App Store, and this keeps coming up. And it's just such a blanket, like one is, I don't think that it actually deals with the issues that um, a like Discord actually has, which would be, um, you know, sexual predators, people being able to have access to, because I'm assuming that this is for children, like they're trying to protect kids because adults should- I think it's Disney-like should, though. Isn't it Disney-like? Adults should, like if they're doing this towards adults, like you should be able to choose what you go to surf for or not surf for, but it should be in a healthy manner where you're not going to be harassed, you're not going to be attacked, you're able to have a, you know, discourse as you yeah. would like to. So the stuff of like having adults be able to, you know, harass Adult. or bother kids <laughs> is an issue versus yes. adults. You should choose what you want to be able to do as you wish to do it. And so I don't even think it deals with the main issues that Discord has. Well, there's such a disparity too, because iTunes for a long time, even before the App Store, had, again, not porn content, but adult content, like movies like Basic Instinct or you know songs with explicit Which lyrics. Basic Instinct is now kind of low, tame these days. Just Granted, but, like, but you wouldn't be able to have that as an app on the App Store. No. And this, it's sort of that dissonance, that, that cognitive dissonance between what, what they feel is main, like every service has that, so it's not a problem if we have that, but the App Store is our thing. I know, but then the App Store then polices every single app that you can already, it almost makes you not want to get the app through the App Store. Like, I think that this is just a negative process of, well, why would you even do this, is my thought. Because it now it just becomes prohibitive. Because if you were in a, whatever, educational site where you were trying to deal with um, sex ed, now you're not going to be able to do what you can do. You can't reach the same amount of people 
And so why then? Like it becomes a negative. And to you use could in Safari. That's the whole thing. It's like you could just use. You can use Safari. There's no age gating there. So you could, like, you can use Discord over the web. You could use Tumblr over the web. Uh, and that to me is just. I, I think in the back of their head, like I was calling it puritanical, but I'm not even sure it's that. It's that they have a corporate image and brand, and they don't want to see headlines. Like, uh, like if if kid finds porn on internet, that's not a big story. Like, kid uses computer, iPhone, doesn't matter. Kid finds porn on the internet. I'm not saying it's good, but anyways, I'm not saying it's good. But that's not a headline. But App Store gives App Store is source of porn for kids is a is I think a, a, a headline their brand does not want to be associated with. I'll just say it though, if the child is using the app store to then find porn, like they can just go to the web. Yes, I just don't but I, just I think don't they don't want understand. the headline, the association. But, but they would still be like most people don't even know what they are using to find what they're finding. So they could just go onto the web, which would be the first place they would go, and they would be on their whatever iPad or iPhone, and so it could still be the head. I don't think it actually does any of that, right? So it's this weird Well, I don't think yeah, I think it's performative. I think that they're trying to say that they're fighting it. Like I yeah. think that they're doing what many corporations do, trying to say, oh, we're trying to protect everyone from sexuality. So look at how great we are. And it's usually the worst really people. Doing it's usually the worst people trying to protect us. It's like the same people I think they're worried about who would crusade against them are the ones who inevitably end up in headlines for way worse things than they complain about. Always. It just happens every time. I agree. I agree. There's this weird disconnect too. I, I was asking about this on Twitter where there seems to be an inability for sort of more granular moderation here because Apple is still struggling with scam apps and fake apps, uh, mm -hmm. copycat apps on the App Store. And I'm like, why? You know, they have human curation, they have all these things. And I thought about it and YouTube is still, is, is still has the same problem with abusive videos and comments. And Facebook has the same problem with conspiracy theories and radicalization. And Twitter has the same problems with harassing tweets. It seems like all these companies, or Amazon with fake products, it seems like all these companies, no matter how big they are, no matter how much machine learning and how many, I, I still think contract workers, which is a whole other issue, uh, you know, uh, what sort of curation they put in place, they still have these profound problems with malignant content. Yes. Yes. And again, you know, what it, it just seems like they're not really looking at the problems. And I don't, it's not, I don't think that it's about the amount of people that they're dealing with or that they couldn't. But I just don't know if they, I, I don't know why, Renee. Well, some people think the financial incentive isn't there. Like it doesn't cost them enough money or make them enough money to act to to devote sufficient resources to actually fix it because they seem to fix problems that hurt them badly real quick like all of them all of them have fixed problems really quickly like the copa regulations came down and youtube locked child content immediately like it was almost excessively right away like no comments right. on child things right. you had to mark all your videos right whenever there's an existential threat they can solve these problems, but otherwise there's like always another priority or it's always a marginalized group that's being hurt. And that marginalized group, I don't want to say it's acceptable loss, but I think when they do their risk benefit analysis or their, their cost analysis, it's like, eh, marginalized group. It, it's, um, it also seems like it depends on what the press is kind of pushing to it. So to protect kids and we still have this Judeo-Christian kind of values underpinning that sexuality is not a good thing. And so they can kind of grab onto that because we do not want to have certain groups that are angry at us for not being able to do this much, yet they leave such things as harassment or being able to personally attack people. Or it's, it's just a sad thing because I think that 
our ability to be able to discuss difficult topics, I think, is important for us mm -hmm. as a society to be able to go forward. And sexuality is one of those topics. So what is the psychological difference? Because this fascinates me between someone who is legitimately trying to protect people from, you know, like, like someone who's trying to protect people from hate speech or from uh, scams, from, from abuse, those sorts of things, and someone who believes that they're having a personal tete-a-tete -tete with the burning bush, they know better than us and they're going to patronize us with their support. So usually you just follow the money, right? That, that is a very quick way to see does a company actually believe in something or not. I don't believe that Apple is doing this with the thought that it is going to be um, really stopping marginalized groups or people that don't have access to information to be able to be educated. I yeah. don't think that that's their thought in this. I just don't think that they have thought, like I think that they see, they perhaps don't see Discord in all of its uses where a lot of people um, this is their ability to access information and to create groups where they can discuss certain themes very deeply without mm -hmm. worry about being censured. And now Apple is censuring them, but I don't think that they thought about it that way. I think yeah. that they thought that this would just protect kids from being able to see adult content which might be inappropriate. See, I'm more cynical than you for once because oh, I think let me, it's, let me go. I, no, I I think like it's entirely about preventing brand damage. I think Apple has a Disney complex and they just don't want to be associated with certain things. And the more, the more identifiable a product is with Apple, the more Disney-like they want it to be. Which is weird because like TV Plus has, we were all worried. Remember when TV Plus came out, the worry yes. was that it was going to be Puritanical. Yeah, and puritanical. Just kind of and it turns Disney. out Disney Plus is that they forced a bunch of their shows onto Hulu because they didn't want them associated with the Disney brand. Right. And Apple's like, yeah, we're going to have Jennifer uh, Aniston curse more in one episode than you have in your entire life. And then is have there Jason any Momoa nudity, cut off. though, on, Disney Plus, on uh, Apple Plus? I don't think so. Yeah. So there's still... I mean, C was pretty... Was pretty I don't think it was nudity, but it was pretty graphically sexual in their first couple episodes. Right, but there was no nudity. No, not that I can so, remember. No, but it, yeah. still, it's still the topic. I haven't watched all their are... shows. Like, okay, let I... us know. Let us know. <laughs> let us know. Yeah, Central Park was was at offensive cartoon nudity. Uh, the other thing that interests me too, to your point, is when you look at Facebook from what we've heard from executives who work there, Mark Zuckerberg was repeatedly given a choice that would. Uh, that between things that would make more revenue and get more engagement and things that were better for humanity and mental health. And he almost always chose higher engagement and more money. Yes. Like he never chose, like, I forget what the exact numbers were, but it was like you could make something like 10% less money, but do 20% better for humanity if we just change this. And he was like, nope, hard nope. I want the money. I want the engagement. Um, where Susan from YouTube has made public statements saying, I am willing to give up X percentage, again, I forget if it was 10 or 20%, I'm willing to give up this much revenue to improve mental health and the community at this point. And I think that's, when people talk about the differences, even though they're both heavily algorithmic-based companies, people talk about the differences between Facebook and Google, that to me is one of the starkest. Yes, I think so. And I think that Apple has also made certain stances where it would cost them money. In some cases, it would cost them their public image and they decide, which they've done very strongly for privacy. Yeah. But in this case, I, again, I don't think that they're, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I that they, they might be dealing with this for, for public image, probably. I like that idea. I think that that is fair. Um, so what if you found out that, what if there was a whistleblower? What then? 
Ah, so we have, we've had a whole bunch of whistleblowers actually come out right now. So Sophie Zhang was one that just yeah. came out and she was working for Facebook. But it's interesting. It's not, for me, it's not even the journey of the, the whistleblowers, which I think takes so much courage, courage to be able to have a job. It's a fancy job and you notice something bad happening and you're going to choose to stand up and talk about it. It's the what happens after that. Yeah. And we talk about the whistleblower. We have articles. We discuss what it is. The company usually tries to kind of do something more for their own saving face. Yeah, it's crisis management. Crisis management. Um, put out some statements. But then what happens to the whistleblower after? It's such a huge cost to be able to stand up for what is yeah. right and takes so much courage. And then I'll just say it, your hireability goes down because... Well, let, let's go through kind of a little bit okay. of the, your thoughts on Whistleblower, and then we can kind of go back to the uh, after effects of what yeah, happens Yeah, I it. mean, we've talked about this before when people talk about leaks, because like, this yeah. whole leak culture thing, people love leaks. But when people generally talk about leaks, they mean like what the next iPhone is going to be or right. what the next Mac is going to be or the next Marvel movie. And those to me are spoilers. Like that's entertainment. It, the companies get annoyed because it messes with their marketing and maybe their revenue and their surprise and delight, all those things. But it, it's really fairly innocuous. Then there are leaks like whistleblowers, which is like leaking toxic chemicals, uh, doing domestic surveillance, um, c covering up uh, adverse effects to, to drug treatments. There are things that really cause public damage, public harm. Uh, and those are whistleblowers. And that is incredibly important. Yeah. Like, Someone saying that the next iPhone is going to have a fifth camera versus someone saying that, you know, we're poisoning kids in this city. Different universes entirely. And I think we've done historically a really poor job of not even just encouraging, but protecting, listening and taking action on on the issues raised by whistleblowers, yeah. even in the even and especially in the tech community. Yeah. And then. What happens is you end up with this black mark against you and then it, you become almost unhirable to other companies. Even though we are supposed to have all of these whistleblower laws that are supposed to protect whistleblowers, but I, you end up, everyone kind of talks about it and then no other company wants to hire you because if they worry that if you're, they're doing something wrong, you're going to tell on them and now they're going to be, you know, endangered or they're going to have bad press or they're you know, image is going to be destroyed or they're going to have to do some fixing that's going to be very expensive. Companies want to protect the company. Yeah. And well, so to break this down a little bit, there's adverse consequences both ways. And I guess it depends on the fallout. Like we saw with Google when they began firing the people who they'd brought in to do the ethical AI. Now a lot of the other people in those teams are quitting. And it's it's becoming a place where no one who's interested in ethical AI wants to work. So yes, I mean, we didn't. I was hoping we'd see a swell of support. I was hoping we'd see the Apples and other companies that do believe in ethical AI sort of rush out. And I don't know the details. Maybe they made offers. Maybe there were other factors. So I don't know. But I was hoping we'd see a groundswell of support for these people. But as far as I can tell, we really haven't. But also, Google has lost in its entire credibility. Nobody wants to work there. It's almost it's become like radioactive. And we've seen similar things with Facebook and their content moderation teams and their sort of ethical uh, oversight teams and Pinterest recently as well. And right. it, it did not escape my attention that most of these whistleblowers, at least recently in the tech field, were all non-white non males. And they seem to bear a lot more brunt uh, than maybe they otherwise would have. Right. And that, that thought of, do I do the Sorry, right... Sorry, non-white, non-males. <laughs> right. 
And then they had that question of, do I do the right thing or do I keep my job? It becomes a really difficult question. And then there's... Claire, can you go through the psychology? Like what kind of, what, what goes through your process when you're trying to, we have your loyalty so, to the company and so, okay, So companies kind of have their own culture and the culture is to protect the company. So you enter this part of the tribe. The tribe makes you feel good about belonging. You want to belong and spend more and more time in that tribe. And the force is to conform. Those that do not conform to a company's values, to the tribe's values, are pushed as an outlier. And once you're an outlier, it's hard to come back into the trusted central circle of a company. And then that often causes feelings of being disgruntled. If something goes wrong, you are usually going to be the scapegoat to that. And it becomes really difficult. Being a whistleblower, though, is one step above that. It's not just being an outlier to the company's values. This is you are speaking up almost in every single case at first privately and to the company and going through the proper steps and only once in almost all of the cases that I've read about only once the company does not do that mm-hmm. right even for Snowden after only after the government does not do that then you decide to go public yeah and that's what Sophie Zhang did she went semi-public and that's when problems started and so you have this choice and your brain does a cost analysis of you know, benefits versus risk. And so if you have a very strong sense of values in this area, for you, it might be worth all of the cost. My problem is that you often don't really know all of the cost. You might think that this company will be upset at you, but mm-hmm. that you will still, because every single company when you leave asks you, why did you leave this yes, company? An and so, and in these cases, this is a very public, these are very public whistleblowers. And so everyone already knows. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't really not say that, you know, and so you're pretty much stating that, well, I betrayed my last company. Now, honestly, they did not. Yeah. But that is how a company is going to see it. You spoke up against the company. And When I take it from the company's perspective, and this is wrong of me, but I can understand why a company would be like, "Uh uh-oh, then what happens if it's me? Yeah. And so there's this entire mythos. Instead of being seen as the brave hero that you are for speaking up against something that you believe, you end up being given this mark of betrayer to the company that you're at, and then another company will probably not want to hire you, even though it probably took a lot of loyalty and strength and courage, which are all attributes that you would want to have in your company to be able to deal with that. And then best case scenario, some years later, uh, Hollywood makes a movie on you, which they license from a reporter and not for you, and you make zero cash and they distort the story and you're played by Aaron Brockovich and just nobody's happy. Yes, yes, but it wasn't Aaron Brockovich. She was played by Julia Roberts, but Julia I'm saying Roberts. you'd be played by Aaron Brockovich. That's why you wouldn't be happy. You can say that. I don't think I think so. That. I don't think you can say that. Poor Erin Brockovich. Well, she's not an actress. <laughs> fair, fair. Like you have no control over it. They'll meld your character with three others, and nothing will happen. And that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's the way Hollywood rolls, man. That's, and that's the best case scenario. That's the best case scenario. So I, I totally get that, and I think it, it becomes incumbent then on the community to sort of, and we've seen that now with uh, Google and with other places where the community has risen up yes. to sort of protect um, these people, and it. There's a whole bunch of other factors that go into this, like the continued unionization efforts mm-hmm. uh, and internal uh, internal groups of people putting pressure on things. But And unionization is, I'll just say it, it's good for the people that work at the company. It's not great for the company, but it's good for the workers of the company to be able to band together and have some sort of power against a huge, conglomerate, powerful company. Well, I mean, it's good to have 
and this again, I'm I'm going to just keep Sorry, it superficial because it gets, it gets really, yeah, it gets really, really deep, and there's a whole bunch of issues, uh, and the ability to affect change inside the company just always seems way more limited than the romanticized versions of it. But the, ultimately, these people are still out of work and still. <clears throat> You, you know, they, they had significant loss and the company had some reputational damage, but someone's going to see the next shiny Android phone or want to do a Google search or they'll go to Facebook to talk to their friends or they'll buy They'll order something next day over Amazon because it's next day. And we won't think about the people who have whose lives have been wrecked. I know. Uh, so the companies really take very little damage and the people are are totally ruined. Yep. Yep. Cheery the topic. house always wins. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, a good happy ending. So what can we do, though, Georgia, if we want to, if we care deeply about this issue and we want more responsibility from the tech companies? Is there any, any sort of behaviors or ideas or, or strategies? I think that one is to take a look a little bit beyond just what a company might put out and when they end up trying to um, maybe character assassinate the person that is going out to say something. I think that speaking out is a really big deal. I think that community movements will make companies change their mind and do yeah. something different. And then the last part is that if a company you find they do something really egregious is to really speak with your wallet because that in the end is the only thing that the company cares about. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing the people who complain about cancel culture are the first people to try to cancel people. It's been an ongoing theme of this episode is that mm. match, match, words with actions and that gives you a really clear picture of a person if you just look at what they say complete distortions look at what they do match those two things together it'll tell you an awful lot about a person yeah and a company so if you're sticking with us for nebula just stay tuned we're going to be right back with our bonus segments if you're not yet watching us on nebula you you should because you get that bonus segment right which but is so amazing it's well it's i mean it's transcendent it'll alter it'll alter it'll lives change it'll, life. it'll, it'll change your life it'll readjust orbits i think it moves magnetic north around every so often i don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> But you can go to curiositystream.com slash Apple Talk. You can sign up there. You get Curiosity Stream, all their really cool documentaries and series. And you get Nebula, which has, I'm not going to spoil it, some major, major, major new people have joined up on Nebula. I don't know if I'm allowed to announce them yet. I don't think you're allowed to announce no, them No. So, but if you go to the Nebula page, it's right up there. So you can see some of the, the big names, super talented people that have joined Nebula recently. And you get all of our videos, ad-free, uh, sponsor-free, often with bonus content like every episode of this podcast. It's just, and it's super inexpensive. It's like less than $15 a year. Barely an inconvenience. It's less. Can I say that? Yes. Can I get sued? It's less than a, the cost of like a pizza and you get it for the whole year. And there's just so many really talented people there. And you get to support educationally creators directly. So castation.com slash Apple Talk. Georgia, if people are leaving us right now, where can they find you? You can check me out. I'm on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Georgia Dow. Huh, What's there got right it. now? Uh, right now, oh, I did the uh, reaction of uh, Captain America Gone Bad. Spoilers. <laughs> um, what are their little tiny traits that show that he might do this? Um, right, so Captain I went through a reaction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Nice, nice. And uh, are you still on the Twitters? I'm still on Twitter. It's Georgia underscore Dow on yes. Twitter. And you can send me an email, Georgia at WestmountTherapy.com. Nice. And you can find me at uh, YouTube.com slash Renee Ritchie or Twitter.com slash Renee Ritchie. And I'm just going to be keeping up with Apple's event this week. Fair. Yep. 